0: and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message.
1: on my heart today to share with you a passage of scripture actually there'll be quite a few which is usually my custom we'll be focusing a lot from the book or the sefer yeshayahu the book of Isaiah the prophet if you have been noticing in the communique this week uh, next week i believe last week also the haftorah readings have been from the book of Isaiah now there's the obvious skip in the book of Isaiah, from Isaiah chapter 52, past Isaiah 53, and into Isaiah 54. But the readings have been from Isaiah. And if you, uh, did you bring your scroll of Isaiah with you? Who brought your scroll of Isaiah? All right, well, we have a modern version here, and I hope you have one too. But the passages will be uh, transmitted behind me, projected behind me, if you'd like to follow along. Speaking of Isaiah, the Hebrew word for someone like Isaiah or Jeremiah or Hosea or Micah or Malachi is the Hebrew word is navi, which means a prophet, or neviah for uh, Huldah and other prophetesses. In the prophetic word that we read in Scripture, some have calculated that the largest percentage of Scripture is actually related to the prophetic now, I didn't say pathetic, I said prophetic. It's related to the prophetic. And prophecy can include a lot of things. How many of you appreciate the Messianic prophecies, those prophecies that point us to Yeshua, they're uh, accounted to be over 300 of those. Many of those are repeated in the Brit Hadashah in the New Covenant. In one of the apostles, he's known as Kepha, Cephas, Peter, he said this in chapter 1 of 1 Peter. He seemed to be aware, as he mentions in his book, he seemed to be aware of salvation. Obviously, he was a disciple, a Talmud, a shaliach of Yeshua the Messiah. He was aware of salvation. He points out that the prophets were aware of grace. And he also points out, that they, particularly Isaiah the prophet, was aware of the sufferings and the glories that were to follow those sufferings. And isn't that exactly what happened with Yeshua? He was placed in the grave, he rose on the third day, and he was transferred, or we call it, he was resurrected beyond, or he ascended to his glory at the right hand of power on high. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, this is what Peter describes in speaking of the prophets. And a major one of those prophets is Isaiah. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. I just want to stop there for a moment. When you read your Bible, are you inquiring? Are you searching carefully what you're reading. I know some of us have reading programs that we use. The goal of the reading program, one of them is to get through all that we're supposed to read. (laughs) But there's a deeper goal and a more important goal is for what we read to actually have impact upon us. Uh, We call it application that it would be applied to us. And it also can be convenient to read a passage of Scripture and to think Wives to think, I wish my husband would read this. And husbands to think, I wish my wife would read this. (laughs) Parents to think that of children or we to think that of our neighbors. But we want to make sure that we are inquiring and searching carefully the scripture as we read it. Some of us are slow readers. I am one of those. I like to read. If I don't understand what it's saying, I like to go back and read it again and you know what happens? Sometimes I have to read it again and again and again until I feel like I have a sense of what the text is trying to say, not to you or to anyone else, but to me. That's called application, applying the Scripture to our lives. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, the New King James Version states it, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Messiah, Ruach Mashiach, the Spirit of Messiah who was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Messiah and the glories that would follow. I am so happy today, rejoicing that it wasn't just the sufferings of Yeshua, as important as those are, and as we've already had heard in this service, for the remission of our sins, we needed the shed blood of the Messiah. He laid down his life for us. And by the way, let's put aside the us, and let me say this, he laid down his life for you. And not only the sufferings of Messiah, as 1 Peter 1 says but also the glories that came that were revealed afterwards. We can only imagine what the shlichim, what the apostles thought. We know for the most part they departed at the crucifixion scene. They, they left, and later on, three days later, there's the empty tomb and the resurrected Messiah kept appearing to them. The glories that would follow his suffering and let me suggest to you that those glories are not yet fully revealed because he's going to return in the clouds with great glory. I think the world is going to be absolutely amazed at his glory. Now they use him for a byword, as a cuss word, many do. But here in this congregation, we honor the name of Yeshua. He's the Lord, he's the Messiah. And he is the soon-returning king. Blessed be his name. <laughs> so it was Isaiah in particular, since we're focusing on him, he's the, the, where the readings from the Haftorah passage in these weeks come from. He received many glimpses, Isaiah the prophet did, of the glories that would be revealed, many different glimpses. As you read through the book of Isaiah, you can catalog the many different times the Lord shows him things that are glorious, that seemed almost unimaginable. And they're revealed to Isaiah the prophet. And the Lord revealed to him things that would come to pass. For example, here's here's an example in Isaiah chapter 25, beginning with verse 8. You'll recognize this passage if you're familiar with the book of Revelation because they connect very well. Isaiah chapter 25 beginning with verse 8, it says this, he will swallow up death forever. I love that, don't you? (laughs) He will swallow up death forever. This is something that was revealed to Isaiah the prophet. Got a glimpse of this glory, the glories that were to be revealed. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from... Is it up there? Yes. All faces. The rebuke... Of his people, he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. You know, friends, if you are a follower of the Messiah, Gladness and joy really are your portion. Gladness and joy. To walk in such things, make that a goal to have the spirit of gladness. To rejoice in the Lord always, and I'm going to say it again, rejoice. That's what we're called to, and we rejoice because we know through Messiah Yeshua, through faith in him, and if you're a believer today, you have already connected with him, who is your Yeshua, your salvation. He's your Moshiach. He's your Savior. And because of that, we can be glad and we can rejoice in His great salvation. Now, that wasn't the only thing Isaiah said that revealed some of the glories of the Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 18, at the very end of the book, you realize Isaiah has 66 chapters. At the end, towards the end of the book of Yeshayahu, Isaiah, it says this, For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and what? See my glory, says the Lord. Now, how many nations are all nations? (laughs) The answer is all. (laughs) They shall come and see my glory. And a little bit further in the same chapter, Isaiah chapter 66, verse 23, again, keeping what Kepha said, that God not only did, did the prophets experience or see within themselves, feel in a sense through the Ruach Mashiach, through the Spirit of Messiah, the sufferings of the Messiah, but they also got glimpses. Into his great glory, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, as Isaiah says. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 23, it says, And it shall come to pass from one new moon to, the, to another, from Chodesh le chodesh, and from one Shabbat to another, hol basar l'ishtachavot lefanai, it says, All flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Now, I don't know how your biblical inter- interpretation works, but there's a, quite a few alls that we're using here in these passages. This total inclusion, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. In other passages, Isaiah, and also repeated in Philippians, it says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Yeshua is the Lord. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess he is the Lord. I hope today that that every part includes you today, that he is your Lord, that your tongue is confessing, you're speaking of him. That your heart is aligning aligning with him. And I know we go, we have to work out our salvation. But your heart is aligned with your Messiah. Your heart is aligned with your Lord. That your daily work, as you go to your daily work, that you're aligned with the Lord. As you go to your place of study, you're aligned with the Lord. That both your speech and your heart attitudes are aligned with the Lord. We call that when a person lives like that, that person is a servant of the Lord. That's who they're serving with their speech, with their actions. Now, there's much more we could say about Isaiah. We'll go back to him in just a few minutes here in this message because he, he was a lot was revealed to him. But I must say the visions that prophet Isaiah saw and that he wrote down in passages like we just read, to me, they're wonderfully encouraging. All tears will be wiped away from all faces. That's encouraging to me. Death will be swallowed up forever. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. Sadly, though, sadly, and I sincerely mean it when I say sadly, Many in our society now, and not just ours, but across the globe, they have lost their way in life. There are many reasons why, and this is not a message about that. Perhaps someday we will do a message why so many people lose their way, but they've lost their way in life. And in some cases, they have just rejected outright the claims of Yeshua. In other cases, they never really knew the way to begin with, so it's hard for them. They need you or me to help them, to point them to him who is the way, the truth, and the life, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. And in many places, I've noticed, and maybe you have too, and I hope that if you have, that you've been able to be a positive voice to individuals that I'm going to describe. But I've seen many people who just seem to be losing hope, they're losing hope. They feel like, well, it's, it's all useless. I mean, what's going to be the final result of all this? There was a saying, and I don't mean this in a crass way, but going to hell in a handbasket hand, hand is how they, they, they view the life and the world and society. And as they've lost hope, they've discarded their future in many ways. They've given it over their future for temporary pleasures, which will never fully satisfy. That's why they're called temporary pleasures. They don't really satisfy. They're momentary pleasures. They've opted to live selfishly rather than selflessly. Selfishly instead of selflessly. Selflessly oftentimes choosing to do evil instead of choosing to do good do you know you can choose to do good by God's grace and his empowerment you can make the right choices in life and when you make the right choices you have the right results that stop to pop up how many you've noticed that in your own life when you started making right choices with your life right choices as God deems right choices Change comes. You start going a different direction in life. You you turn away, perhaps, from the things that used to draw you, attract you, and hold you like glue. And instead, you want your heart to be connected to the Lord like glue. You want to be there with him. And to some of the things that I'm saying now, to those who have lost their way, some by choice, others that's happened to them, lost their way, that what I'm saying now doesn't really appeal to them it should because ultimately there was a judge he's the judge of all mankind I say that as we're in the month of Elul, those of you familiar with the Hebrew calendar, when in the Hebrew calendar month of Elul it's a time of introspection it's a time of preparation for that which is coming which Roy went over in the announcements Yom Teruah Rosh Hashanah Yom HaKippurim, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, Hagasukot, the Feast of Tabernacles, all that points us increasingly towards Yeshua as our Messiah, the Lord. But so many have lost their way, and some are just out and out opting for rebellion and lawlessness as a modus operandi, as a means of operation, a mode of operation in their life. They're just rebellious and choose lawlessness rather than choosing obedience to the Lord and fear of the Lord and His Word, reverence for Him. They ransom their eternal future, and unless something happens, the outcome, the outlook is not good. Now, I'm here to suggest to you today, in fact, not suggest, to advocate strongly That if that's where you're at, you're at a place where you feel a little bit hopeless, turn to him who is the living hope, Yeshua the Messiah. Ask him for deepened measures of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because if you ask him for bread, he is not going to give you a stone. He's good to his people, and he'll be good to you if you call upon him. Perhaps you have people in your life that they just seem to be living a hopeless life. Will you be a voice of hope for them? Let it be more than just words. Let it be actions to come alongside. How many of you can honestly say that someone came alongside of you in your life and helped you walk the way I can? I owe so much to certain individuals in my life when I first came to the Lord. Because they came alongside of me. And I was very rebellious. (laughs) You don't even want to know. But so many are ransoming their eternal future. And we have the answer in Messiah Yeshua. He is the way. He's their way, even as he's our way. But if our gospel, our good news, our message is hidden, it's hidden from those who are perishing. We recognize each other as believers, but for those who are perishing and we withhold the good news of Messiah, it's hidden from them, the very word that can save them. And I want to, I want to say this to you. Please hear this. Don't always look for immediate results. That's the American way. Fast food. <laughs> but trust God for the increase. Speak the word and trust him for the increase. You may never see it. God will respond. His word does not return unto him void, but it accomplishes that which he purposes. Again, I'm quoting from Isaiah chapter 55. Speaking of Isaiah, from the very first chapter of the book of Isaiah, if you look at an overview of the book of Isaiah, you find in a unique way in the book of Yeshayahu, in the book of Isaiah, you find in a unique way that spiritual lines are drawn in the sand by the Lord. He draws lines in the sand, if you're familiar with that idea. For example, in Isaiah chapter 1, off-quoted verses 19 and 20, he says this, if you are willing and obedient and obey, you will eat the good of the land. There's a principle there. It's called what uh, some called it the principle of sowing and reaping. In this case, sowing is S-O-W-I-N-G, not with a needle and thread. The principle of sowing and reaping. If you are willing and you obey, well, what do you reap? Torah is very clear about this, especially in Sefer Devarim, the book of Deuteronomy, that we're to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. If we obey the Lord, then what comes blessing? If we don't obey the Lord, what comes the opposite of blessing? I spoke about that several weeks ago. Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obey and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But please, friends, don't just stop at that verse. Look at the next one. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured with the sword. I don't know the picture you get, and don't think about it too long, but it's certainly not the same idea as eating the good of the land. It's an antithetical statement. It's almost the opposite. If you are willing and you obey the Lord, you'll eat the good of the land. But if you refuse, rebel, you will be devoured with a sword. And it's so important, the very next phrase. For the mouth of Adonai, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In other words, this is not just Isaiah's idea. And he continually, in the book of Isaiah, he continually says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The mouth of the Lord says, so that people wouldn't think it was just him speaking. It's one thing when a person speaks. Friends, fasten your seatbelts. It's another thing when God speaks. Who's going to refute him? Who's going to dispute him? He's the Lord, and his word is forever settled in heaven. As Yeshua stated it, heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will not pass away. And sprinkled among the hard words that Isaiah gave, and there are many in the 66 chapters, again, to repeat, there were glimpses, glimpses of the Lord and the Lord's glory that he was given To, to mix that up some. He saw both sides of it. He saw the society around him crumbling, and he, was, he rose up by God. He was risen up by God to be a voice to that society. Friends, you are a prophetic voice in this society for the Messiah. Don't hold your peace. Don't be ashamed of him in this evil, adulterous society. Speak up. It's better to reject, be rejected by man than be rejected by the Lord. It's much better to be rejected by human beings. It's not pleasant. How many of you have actually experienced rejection because of your faith? It's one of the first things I experienced. I lost all my friends. I was too much talking to them about the Lord. <laughs> Anyone else go through that? I want to talk with you later if you have. Thank you, Ernie. Ernie and I will talk later. But yeah, it's better to be rejected by human beings than be rejected by the Almighty One because you're refusing to obey, because you're not willing. Now, many don't seem to realize that Yeshua is there for them, and we need to tell them that he ever lives and makes intercession for them. We need to let them know that through his shed blood, their sins can be forgiven. The remission of sins it's called theologically we need to let them know that this is not just a fanciful idea, but this very one who laid down his life for us, who rose from the dead and ascended on high, is coming back again, and it may be at any time. And please don't think you have that figured out, because you don't. It could be at any time. I backtrack from all that I was taught in Bible colleges, where it was all figured out. The system was all worked out. They They had it down received a communication recently and the person said that they had the, the key now they understood all of prophecy now <laughs> and I'm kind of downplaying what they said <laughs> but they have figured out all of prophecy man a Shevets, that's a big statement <laughs> please don't be like that Isaiah wasn't like that, (laughs) not at all. Actually, let's look at his calling. It's in Isaiah chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. It's one of those unusual books where the calling is six chapters in. You could actually reverse it and put it as chapter 1, but it seemed like theologically or as far as... uh, the lord was concerned he wanted to lay the lines in the sand or place those lines in the sand in chapter one of isaiah if you're willing and obedient you're going to eat the good of the land if you refuse and rebel the sword awaits you in other words the concepts will be good but here's isaiah's calling you're probably very familiar with it it gives us a biblical date not in the type of dates that we use here. We're, you know, September 10th, 2022. That's not the date that's given there. But it says, in the year that King Uzziah died. You know, that's a biblical date, the year that King Uzziah died. It says, I saw the Lord, Yeshev al Kisei Ram, sitting on a throne high and lifted up. It's interesting that it's a kisei ram. It's not a throne that's low or below anything or anyone. It's actually high and lifted up. It is not Yeshua, the Lord of heaven and earth. Does he not reign supreme? Yes, he does. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Verse 2. Above it stood seraphim. This is an untranslated Hebrew word. And I appreciate the integrity of the translators. They placed, they they transliterated a Hebrew word and just made it into an English word, seraphim, because they weren't quite sure how to describe what a seraph is. Most people believe it comes from the Hebrew idea of Srepha, of a, a burning fire. But it says. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. And I promise you, I am not doing it justice. Please say those Hebrew words with me. Kadosh, Kadosh. Kadosh, let's say it one more time. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, and I love this. OI-li. Oy, lee. OI-li. Oy, lee. Translated into English, woe, woe is me. OI-li. You want to say that, turn to your neighbor and say, OI-li. <laughs> How many have heard the Jewish saying, oy Ve? How many have heard that? <laughs> I remember that very well from my mother. <laughs> so I said, Oy, li woe is me. For I am undone, because I am a man. You, you realize in the presence of the Lord, Isaiah saw himself for who he really is. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And then he says this, and this is the transition point of his life. This must be the transition point of your life and my life. He says, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Do the eyes of your heart continually see the King, Yeshua the Messiah, the Lord. When that becomes increasingly true in your life, your life will transition You'll leave darkness and go into his marvelous light. You'll be transferred from the kingdom of darkness. Step by step, movement by movement, word by word, conviction by conviction, lesson by lesson, correction by correction, encouragement by encouragement. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And it's after this sea where basically Isaiah realizes he's undone. The Lord is kadosh, 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 and he sees himself in the midst of people of unclean lips, a society that's debauched, a society that's gone astray, a society that's selfish, a society that's living in ways that are displeasing to God, and he sees all that. And rather than point the finger just at them, he starts and says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Friends, friends, Start with yourself in your walk with God. It says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. Humble yourself. After this scene, as you read further on in Isaiah chapter 6, the calling of Isaiah the prophet, God sovereignly cleansed Isaiah's lips. And he needed it. He recognized he ne- if he's going to be the Lord's servant, he needs to have speak kingdom ways. Friends, please don't mix blessing and cursing in your tongue, and your speech. Let all vulgarities go away from you. Let all those type of crass things be far from you. They're not becoming of the saints of God. He recognized that his speech, I'm a man of unclean lips, and God... Sovereignly cleansed Isaiah's lips as you read further in chapter 6. And he made, in a sense, Isaiah into a man after his own heart, a man of God. And we don't know exactly what happened to Isaiah, but historically his death was not pleasant. (laughs) It was terrible. And he remained faithful to the very end of his days. His eyes had seen the king and they never took; they never departed from looking at the king. As we read in Isaiah chapter six, verse five, as I just said, that he said, "My eyes have seen the king." Isaiah then, in his prophecy, in the sixty-six books, had many different descriptions of the Lord. You can compare him to other prophets, for example, Jeremiah. He described the Lord as the potter. How many of you remember Jeremiah talking about the potter and the potter's house? He described Jeremiah as the potter. He also called the Lord Tikvat Israel, the hope of Israel, how he described him. Rapshaw Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, he described Yeshua as the head of the body of believers. And then he goes on and says, the one who fills all in all. I mean, that's quite inclusive, isn't it? All in all. And Isaiah saw the Lord, as we've already heard, as the king. He also later saw the Lord as the lawgiver. He saw the Lord as the judge. He saw the Lord as the redeemer. He saw the Lord as the savior. He saw the Lord as the deliverer. He saw the Lord as the God who intervenes. He saw the Lord as a shepherd of Israel. He saw the Lord as the lamb that was slain in Isaiah 53. And then he sees the Lord as the ruler of all the nations, not just the ruler of Israel, but the ruler of Israel and all the nations. In Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5, he uses several descriptive terms and applies them to the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5, he says, for your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. So Isaiah recognized that the Lord was, is our maker. He recognized that. He describes him, he says, for your maker is your husband we wonder sometimes where does Rav Shaul Paul the Apostle get the idea of Yeshua as the groom and the body of believers as the bride this is something that popped up in the book of Ephesians Rav Shaul Paul the Apostle was a Pharisee of Pharisees he knew the Torah he knew the Nevim the prophets and he knew the Ketuvim the writings and he knew that Israel is often described as the bride of the Lord And in this case, Isaiah says, for your maker is your husband, Baal, your husband. He's the one who knows us well, our husband, so to say. He's the one who knows us well. He knows what we're all about. And we must have an ongoing deep relationship with him. Our husband as the bride of Messiah Curiously, the idea of the bride and groom is all through Scripture, all the way back from Adam and Eve, all the way forward to the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 19, the same idea is used. Revelation way far away theologically, not theologically, but chronologically from Isaiah. And I, in Revelation 19 verse 6, it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Next statement. When you really know He reigns, catch the next statement. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory. Gladness, rejoicing, and glorification. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory. And then there is this illusion. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife has made herself ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed, how? In fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is what? The righteous acts of the saints, the believers. What are you wearing today? Are you clothed in fine linen? Fine linen, which is the righteous acts of the believers. And every time you do a righteous act before the Lord for his glory, not for your glorification, every time you do that, it's like you're putting more threads on you. (laughs) And they're not dirty schmatas, rags, but you're putting clean white linen on yourself. Be clothed with the Messiah. Let him be your righteousness. Be clothed with him. The fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The Lord wants His people, above all, to be, to be in a pure relationship with Him. You know, Second Corinthians 11 is quite, um, how would I say, illuminating verses. Beginning with verse 1. Again, the, the author, the human author is Rapshaw Paul the Apostle. And you can almost feel this. He loved the Corinthians. As we read the book of Acts, we realize he was instrumental along with Apollos. These two Jewish men were instrumental in the raising up of the community in Corinth. He cries out to them. You can almost feel it. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me, he says, he uses that phrase. Many have wondered, why does he say a little folly? Well, that's kind of the way this, this particular section of Second Corinthians flows. But when he said, bear with me for a little folly, they knew him personally. He was there at the, the creation, the beginning of the Corinth community. And they knew that he wasn't a man of folly. He was a pretty serious, deliberate man. And when he says, bear with me with a little folly, it's kind of out of character. And it's an attention getter. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. Verse 2, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Messiah. And verse 3, powerful verse. If you don't know this one, I suggest you learn this one. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve Chava, By his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Messiah. Last several weeks, I've been thinking about this verse and realizing that so much has been corrupted in our society, the the thought process of our society, and we need a revival. We need new life through Messiah, and it's gonna happen one by one, and may begin with us. He is the Lord of hosts, He's our Redeemer. These are all things that Isaiah points to. And one of the more politically incorrect verses that I know in the book of John is this one. It's found in John chapter 3, beginning with verse 36. Actually, it's just verse 36. Believers rejoice because of this verse. (laughs) Unbelievers cry foul. (laughs) Here it is. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Do you believe that, by the way? He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. How many agree that's a hard statement? In a society like ours, a decadent, an adulterous society that that's so much advocates even Stephen type of philosophy? He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That says to me, we have our work cut out. First of all, let it begin in our own household, in our own lives. Secondarily, let us reach out to others with the good news of Messiah Yeshua, who is our Redeemer, who is the Lord of Lords, who is a soon-returning King, the King of all the universe and the King of all the nations there. And in fact, that is one of the things that Isaiah said in, uh, in Isaiah uh, chapter 54. He is the God of the whole earth. There is no person, no family, no community, no church or synagogue, no people group or any such grouping that's exempt from his lordship. He's the God of all the earth. The question becomes, do we recognize that or do we not recognize that? Psalm 24 says that this way, much more well-known verse. It says, the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. <laughs> the world and those who dwell therein all the people of the earth so although I like to conclude my message often with lists I'm going to spare you some lists today (laughs) and I want to bring to you today a word I want to leave with you from the words of Yeshua himself if you listen carefully to his words as we have them in the English language you'll realize there is no middle ground That's hard for our society. Society is always seeking a gray area. But there's no middle ground. And if we claim to be his, and we call ourselves believers in him, and we desire to serve him, then we must heed what he says. How many agree with that statement? We must heed what he says. Whether it's difficult or whether it's easy, whether we feel we're accomplished or not, regardless of our background, our pedigree, our our theology, our education, we must heed what our Lord says. And here are his words, part of them that I want to transmit to you in conclusion in lieu of a list. Words which I think still resonate nearly 2,000 years later, they still challenge me. And they may challenge you also. These are words that are meant to call us forward and not that we shrink back. And I'm referencing Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Yeshua was saying to everyone, first of all, who's he saying it to? Everybody. Now, there is a tendency sometimes with human beings to think, well, that doesn't apply to me. Hmm. It's good for them over there. Yeah, it doesn't apply to me. And the statement's very clear. Yeshua was saying to everyone, and it's even more, I think, emphasized in the next idea, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself. What's the first thing he said? He must deny himself. Put your selfish ways aside. Stop putting yourself first. Must deny himself. Take up his cross. How often? Every day. Please don't be a Shabbat believer only. We must be seven days a week believers. Even if it's tough and there are valleys and there are mountains we face, some of you may have even had a valley and a mountain already today in the few hours of daylight. Take up his cross every day, and then he says this only two words, follow me, he said. Let's make sure he's the very center of our existence, of our home life of our family worship, of our individual pursuits, that he's the very center. If anyone wants to follow me, Yeshua said, he must deny himself, take up his cross every day, and follow me. Now, to me, Dianu, that's enough right there for all of us. Yet he continued on. This is repeated in the other gospels, a very similar phrase here. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. We think we're really grabbing hold of life. Actually, you're losing the real life. If you're living a soul life, if you're living for yourself, that's not real living. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And then verse 25, I believe, has struck me for decades. And it probably has you also, if you've been a believer for a while. He continues, for what does it profit a man, and when you start talking about profit, some ears perk up immediately. And he uses this term here, translated to the English, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses or forfeits himself. One translation says his soul, his own soul. How profitable is that to you if you lose everything, your own being? And then verse 26 is challenging. I hope you agree with me. In fact, I think you will. He said this two thousand years ago in that generation, before the World Wide Web, before all that we have going on here, before pornography, before all this stuff. He says, "For whoever is ashamed of me and my words." Notice he doesn't just say me. He says me and my words, what I stand for, what I'm teaching, what I'm advocating. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words. The Son of Man, which is a veiled reference to himself, highly prophetic statement used in the book of Daniel, Ben-Adam, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I know these are sobering verses to leave leave us here today with. But I want to encourage you as we're entering towards the high holy days, as we're in the month of Elul, really take inventory, not of your neighbor's life, (laughs) or point the finger that direction, and not to be so self-critical of yourself that you can't lift your head up. But take honest inventory of your walk with the Lord. Are you really walking with him? Are you really there with him? I'll read through this to conclude without any comments. Luke 9, verse 23. Yeshua was saying to everyone, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross every day, the tree, execution stake, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Would you please pray with me? How we praise you this day, O Lord. There's no one like unto you in the heavens and the earth. Thank you for the mercy you've extended through your holy son, Yeshua, our Messiah, that you have given us the opportunity through his shed blood to access your throne of grace and Lord I pray for each individual everyone hearing these words that oh Lord you would shower your grace upon each person each married couple, each family each child Lord that your name would be exalted Lord we lift up our nation to you, and we pray for the moving of your Ruach HaKodesh, your Holy Spirit throughout this land. You have surprised us many times, Lord, the people that you have used to bring about your purposes, whether it be Cyrus or whoever it might be. So, Lord, I pray that you'll work mightily in our government that you will also help this government, help this nation in its relationship with other nations, particularly with the land of Israel and the people of Israel. I ask that you will be with the Prime Minister of Israel, Lapid, you'll be with those around him, that decisions will be made, that's for the good of your purposes. Lord, thank you for each person here today. And as we part from this sanctuary, we say you are the Lord, help us to walk humbly with you in the name and the merit of yeshua alone
0: amen you've been listening to the shabbat message from rosh pinah messianic jewish congregation in oklahoma city oklahoma we would love to have you visit us our weekly services begin at 10:40 a.m each shabbat and we are located at 2600 northwest 55th place North of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's roshpina dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405 or email us at info at roshpinah.org Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.